All right. Did they not do an incredible job? That is awesome. Let me ask you a question today, church. What do you need? Oh, come on now. What do we need today? When difficult things come our way, what do we need? When our loved one's gone and we're left here alone, what do we need? When our child needs help and we just don't, as parents, know what to do, what do we need? You know what we need? Courage. We need fewer protesters. We need fewer gossips. We need fewer people who continually drag us down. We need fewer messages in our life telling us, this is what you do. No, this is what you do. And all the competing voices that are, that are in our heads. Instead, as the body of Christ, we need to be people who give one another what? Courage. Because there's the reason that we need courage today. The reason that we need courage is we need that extra push that will push us on to that next level. We need that extra voice in our head and, and also a witness in our hearts of people who've gone before us and who shine our way forward to what we need to do and how we need to live our lives for Jesus Christ. We need people in our corner who will encourage us. And so today we continue in this series called The One and Others. As Pastor Bart led us last week as we talk about, as he talked about loving one another, what I want you to understand is that of all of these one another's that are found throughout Scripture, they are all descriptive words that teach us specifically how we are to do exactly what he called us to do last week, and that is to love one another. All of the rest of these are specific actions of how we are to love one another. And today we're going to talk about how we are called to encourage one another as the body of Christ. Now, no one needs to hear this message more than me this morning because already today, no less than five different times, one of those times I was actually called out by Chad Colburn this morning and he asked this word because he knew what I was going to be speaking on. He said, was that encouraging? Five times today, Brandon Webster in the back, Terry Lemon is in the back, in the early service no less, for the first time that I think I've ever seen Terry in the early service because his stepdaughter graduated from boot camp in the Marines. Give her a hand this morning. And she asked her stepdad to come to church with her so she could go to her father's church as well today. And I tell you, Terry Lemon is here. He's normally heading up all of our ushers in the middle, uh, or middle and last service. But I've never seen him at the early service. So what did I do? I gave him a hard time this morning. Nobody here needs to hear this message more than me. But I sometimes think, Bart, that that's the reason we give these messages because when we need to hear them, uh, we need to, to see these things in our life. But here's what, I want you, what we want you to see in this whole series. See, these are reciprocal actions. These are one another's. I do this for you and you do this for me. Now, I don't do this for you so that you will do this for me. That's not the point. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But I do this action and you do this action for me. All of these are characteristic, actually, of God's love in us and God's love to us. These are things that God provides for us unconditionally. But make 
no mistake that when we hear these words, these are specific actions that we are called to do one another. Listen to to one another. Because listen, as we think about these things, sometimes we sometimes question, what is God's will for me? Do you ever question that? What does God want me to do? What is God's will for me in this moment? Well, here are many different expressions as we talk about these over the next, uh, the next four or five weeks. These are specific directives to you and I of what we are to do. These are God's will for us. We are called to love one another. We are called to encourage one another. As I mentioned just a moment ago, sometimes our motivation requires us or it calls us that I'm going to encourage you if you encourage me. That's the reason that what we must begin with in this whole process is called a death to self. We must die to ourselves in order to do the things that God has called us to do in encouraging one another. It cannot be I do this for you in order that you will do this for me. But you see, here's the reality of what we see. Because God encourages me, as Bart said in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 4, which I didn't, we didn't talk about this. I knew that Bart was going to be sharing a passage. We didn't say what passage. That is the passage of Scripture that God used to call me into ministry with 2 Corinthians 1 4. And the comfort with which, yeah, you can clap, whatever you want to do. There you go. And the comfort with which you have been comforted by God, therefore comfort others. I was a ninth grader sitting in a chapel because I went to a Christian school. And as I was sitting there, someone read, no, that, was, that passage wasn't even being read. Whatever, what, whoever was speaking that morning, I just had opened up my Bible and was reading. And as God spoke to my heart and he used that verse to call me in the ministry. Because what, what I heard God say very plainly that day, Randy, this is what I've given you to do for the rest of your life in a vocational area. But the truth of that passage is, whether you're in vocational ministry, whether this is what you, uh, what you do for the rest of your life, every single believer is called to be the comfort of God to others. Why? Because God has comforted you. You and I can forgive one another. Why? Because God has forgiven us. You and I can encourage one another because God has encouraged us. You and I can love one another. We can go to the point of even confessing our sins to one another. Why? Because God shows His love completely and true in our lives. But it requires us, if we're going to do this reciprocal action back to others, if we're going to literally be Jesus Christ to others, it requires us that we die to ourselves. Because selfishly, here's what will happen. I will love you if you will love me. I will encourage you if I get some sense of encouragement from you. We have to die to ourselves if we're going to experience these things. I want us today to take a look throughout Scripture. We're going to survey Scripture to see what what God's Word says about this word, encouragement. But we must first begin with the definition of what is encouragement. And the cowardly lion who so desperately needed courage was actually talking himself up a good game, right? Trying to get himself to the point where he believed his own words. And what we have in the truth of Scripture is how we are to encourage one another and how we see this lived out. But we must first begin with the definition 
of what is encouragement. Our English word we actually get from the French, which says to this, what encouragement is, is to make or to put in courage or to put in heart to others. To actually make or create it or to put it in somewhere else, in someone else. The Greek definition of this comes from the word oikodomeo. And what I love about that word is it comes from the root word meaning oikos or household. So what it literally means is this. What you and I are to do and to be for one another is that we literally build up one another. Just like someone begins with the foundation and builds up someone else. I think it is so appropriate that Pastor Bart shared with you what has happened this past week in that our foundation of the new building has been poured. But the foundation of this church was poured long ago. Amen? The cornerstone of who we are as the body of Christ is Jesus Christ Himself. This church is not Pastor Bart's. It's not Pastor Randy's. It is not your church. It is not even our church. It is Christ's church. Amen? And we are built up on that foundation. And this word encouragement, what it actually means is that you and I are to build up one another into this spiritual household. We are to encourage. We are to give strength. The Hebrew word, even going before the Greek understanding of this and oikos, the Greek word is this. It is kazak. Say that with me. Kazak. It is just one of those words. You know that word, don't you, Jimmy? As Jimmy has been on a retreat that, that talks about that word. But this word, kazak, means to, it just sounds like a good Hebrew word, doesn't it? All right, it, It's not a great Hebrew word because it doesn't have a in it so that it, you can't spit on somebody when you're saying it, all right? By the way, if you're, if you're saying Hebrew, you don't know if you're saying it right unless somebody has water on their forehead after you've said it, all right? But it is kazak. And what kazak means is to be strong, to be courageous, to fortify something. And so even with the original Hebrew understanding of this, what it means is to give someone else strength. Now here's the understanding that we come about knowing Jesus Christ. I can't give you strength. I can only lead you to the one who can give you strength. Amen? And that's exactly the understanding. As Pastor Bart again brought out last week with this whole process of love, with encouragement, with all of these one another's, what they are designed to do and to be are be, to be signposts along the way, leading other people to the strength that they will find in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Because here's what happens. If I tell you that I can be strength, if I can be courage, if I can be love to you, then what I will end up doing is build a codependent relationship where you think that I'm the answer to that. Your spouse may tell you, they may build into you words of encouragement, but if you become so dependent upon those words of encouragement, you will see them as your source of strength. But what we are to be as the church, the bride of Christ, is that we are to be shining, burning lights of 
signpost on the way to lead people to the understanding that their true encouragement comes from who Jesus says they are and who Jesus tells them they are to be and to become. It is only in Christ that we actually find this true source of strength. We are to build up, to encourage, to fortify one another. And that's the reason in the church today we need fewer protesters. We need fewer gossipers. We need fewer pew-sitters. We need people who see it as our mission from God to build up and encourage one another. Think about what the church would be today, what this individual local body would be, if what our constant aim was is to build up one another. That you came here on a Sunday. You came on a Wednesday. You came to your life group. And every time you came, you left with an understanding that you had been strengthened. You had been fortified. You had had the truth of God's word spoken into your life. You had had prayers spoken over you. You had 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 people who were concerned about you enough to ask the difficult questions. All these things Help us come to the understanding that this is what we are called to do and to be as the church. To encourage, to give courage, to give heart to one another. But so often we come in and we expect it from others, but we don't give it out ourselves. And herein lies the problem as we think about the church. Not only is our foundation being built at the church, but... We've just bought this, this house, and one of the first things that we had to do in this house was to build a retaining wall, because it had this huge hill, and it was seeping water out from the bottom of, of this hill, and it had this huge hillside that we needed to push back, because I did not want to, for the rest of my life, mow this steep hillside. I could only see a mower flipping over multiple times, so I was going, okay, we need to start before we even, need, before we even move into the house to build this retaining wall. So we had someone come who was an expert at building these retaining walls. And I went out about day three or four. And his name was David. And I said, David, you know, I trust you immensely because you know about building retaining walls. And he said, yes, 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 sir, I do. I said, but David, I've got to ask you this question because if somebody comes to this piece of property, they're going to ask me this question. David, the wall is leaning into the hill. Are you aware of that? He goes, yeah, I'm fully aware that the wall is leaning into the hill. I said, David, I just need to know, why is it leaning? He said, well, this is a true retaining wall. He said, a retaining wall, if you build it straight and later the weight of the hill begins to push against it, it will be forced outward. So we build the wall strong and we lean it into the hill so that if it ever begins to pull and push against it, it will actually put it only upright, but won't go beyond that 90 degrees over. I said, thank you. I didn't, I didn't question your ability. I just needed to know so that when other people, because I know some of you people are going to come to my house, and you're going to go, that's a fine wall they built, but do you know it's leaning? Yes, I'm fully aware it's leaning. And here's why. It's leaning into the hill. You see, that's where we are as the body of Christ. What we are to do for one another is to lean into you so that you can face those difficult times. So that when that loved one is no longer 
physically present in your life, we can give you the comfort of God with which we've been comforted and we can encourage you. Amen? So that when you go through that struggle with that child, and some of you have gone through struggles with children, and others of you don't have children, so you go, okay, I don't know how to do this. That's okay. That doesn't disqualify you from being encouragement and giving courage to one another in that situation because you can lean in to one another so that we become together fortified like those stones standing in that wall. We become fortified greater together than we could apart. As we go into our new members process, one of the things I always say is, look, being a part of EVC is so much more than getting to know effectively the back of someone's head like you're doing right now. Folks, this is not church. This is a church service, but this is not the best expression of the body of Christ. I love that we do it. I love that we get together. I love that we worship. I love that we get to see brilliant examples of people using their gifts. Folks, those are our teenagers that led us in worship this morning, all right? What incredible talent. I love to see that they do that, but seeing them do that in front of you is not the best expression of the body of Christ. That's the reason we've been encouraging encouraging you, cheering you on to get into a life group. Why? Because it is there that you see and you sit in a circle and you see other people and you can speak specifically into someone else's life because you're actually getting to know them. Unfortunately for us, we will have three different services. and We will crowd into these hallways. And unfortunately, we don't have that great opportunity to get to know each other. We're going to have a bigger foyer in the new building. Is that not exciting that we can actually... We can actually maybe talk to someone in the hallway, okay? But here's what I can tell you. That foyer is not big enough for you to just hang out and linger for an hour to get to know what's going on in somebody's life. And that's the reason that it's in our life groups that we give you that, we make available that opportunity for you to speak These words of encouragement. You likely could not speak a specific word of encouragement to the person that's sitting in front or behind you. Why? Because you likely do not know the specific situations that are going on in their life. Because it takes more time than what we have on a Sunday morning to be able to do that. And so we want to learn how to encourage and to build courage into one another. Let's look at what the Bible has to say about encouragement. The first is simply a question. Are we encouraging negatively or positively? Now you might say, now wait a second. What do you mean encouraging negatively? Can I encourage? Can I give someone courage to do something that's negative? Absolutely you can do that. There are biblical biblical examples of this. Look at Psalm 64.5. It says this. They encourage each other to do what? They encourage each other to do evil and plan to set their traps in secret. Who will ever notice, they ask. This is the gang mentality. I could give you an example of this by taking this chair today and standing up on top of it and then having some of you come and attempt to pull me down. Is it easier for me to lift you up or for you to pull me down? Which is easier? To pull you down. It's easier to pull me down. Why? Because there's already gravity going against me. 
And in our culture today, there is already a gravity going against us. Do you feel it? The gravity going against us is called a sin nature. Not only do we have it, but the world possesses it as well. And collectively, the world possesses this negative downward trend that says it is so much easier to pull you down from this place where Christ is Lord of your life than for you to lift someone up to to that level of Christ. And the bottom line is this. You and I are powerless to do that. That is a work only the Holy Spirit can do. But the question I would have for you is, the world is going to pull us down. God forbid that in the church itself, we do the very same things. And yet I could go person by person today and ask you about what your story is from your church experience. And almost every single person could have something negative to say about how someone has treated you inside the church. What a tragedy. The very place where we are called to be courage and to give courage for one another has so many times been the place where we are discouraged and this is not the way God intended it to be. Amen? Let's put those things behind us. Let's commit ourselves as the body of Christ to not be the way that we were treated, but instead to be encouragement and courage for others along the way. So we first have to ask the question, are we negatively or positively being encouraging? What does encouragement do? Let's look at this for just a second. The first thing that it does, encouragement builds strength in your faith and in God himself. I love the example of David and Jonathan. These two friends who built up one another. Who lived out this encourage one another. 1 Samuel 23 verse 16 says, Jonathan went to David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. Jonathan went to David and encouraged him. He gave him courage to stay strong in his faith in God. Wait a second. Do you realize that David was taking the rightful place that Jonathan would have held as the next king? And yet it is in this relationship that we see a dying to self. And he gave him courage to to stay strong in his faith in God. Bart and I were talking about this whole series and thinking about these one another's. And we, we were asking ourselves, did it really, do we really feel like it really connected with where our people are right now? And we came to the conclusion is that, look, as your pastors, we know that we need these things. The question is, are we aware? Have we come to the conclusion as the body of Christ that these are the things that need to be built into our life? In other words, it's this. Have you realized that you really need this? Have you gone so long without somebody speaking words of affirmation and courage into your life? Have you gone so long without intimate fellowship with other believers that they know you and you know them? Have you gone so long without it that you no longer even realize that you have a distinct need for this? To have strength built 
in your faith in God. I love this. It gives strength when you need it, when your knees are weak. Listen to Isaiah 50, or 35 verse 3. With this news, strengthen those who have tired hands and encourage those who have weak knees. Encourage those who have weak knees. Why do we tell someone? I've had to deliver very difficult news to people before. And what I almost always tell them, would you like to sit down? Why do I say that? If you've ever seen someone buckle because they hear horrible news, you know exactly what that's like. You see, there's something that happens in our knees. We lose the strength of something that normally we can depend upon. And in the body of Christ, that's exactly what encouragement does. It gives strength to feeble hands. It gives strength to weak knees that we can stand and lean in to one another as we give each other courage. These are the things. This is clearly what encouragement does. It's clearly what God's word says that encouragement does today. A third question we need to ask ourselves is this. Where do we receive encouragement? We receive encouragement very clearly from three specific areas. The first one is God's word itself. Listen to this. Psalm 119 verse 28 says, I weep with sorrow. Encourage me by your word. Encourage me by your word. You see, spending time daily in God's word brings you encouragement. Why? Because you see, our culture is a shifting, shifting standard. The world says today, this is what success like is, is today. But tomorrow, it will be, this is what success is like. Today, you need this drug. Tomorrow, you'll need this drug. And if you become dependent upon that, no worries. We're making another drug that you can become dependent upon. You see, the world standard is always shifting to determine what success is. Then why in the world do I need God's word? Because God's word is a standard that does not shift. And it continually speaks into your life and my life to say, this is the truth of what I say about you, as God says. This is the truth of who I'm going to be for you. And it's not conditional on what you do, did yesterday. It's not conditional on what you'll do tomorrow. This is the standard of who I am in your life. And I'm not going to change. God's word is a steady standard where the world's culture is never that. So God's word is a place that we receive encouragement. Prayer is another place where we receive encouragement. I know that doesn't shock anyone here today. Psalm, 133, Psalm 138 verse 3 says, As soon as I pray... You answer me. You encourage me by giving me strength. We've all likely experienced strength that came through prayer. Whether that be your own personal time in prayer as you sought God on a particular situation. Or whether that was knowing that others were praying for you. I love our intercessory ministry and our intercessory team. I love the opportunity and the availability to be able to put in a request in your bulletin or to do it online or to call here to the church office and to get 
God's prayer warriors on your side praying for something very specific in your life. Multiple times here at EVC, I've put out that request. That this is what we are facing right now. Would you pray for us? And in doing so, I receive courage. Courage that the answer may come as I expect it, or that whether that answer comes as I expect it or not, I can still walk towards it and walk into it because I know I am not alone and other people are praying with me. So God's word, prayer, are places where we receive encouragement. But a third is where we're really going to focus today, and that is through godly people. We get encouragement through godly people. Proverbs 10 verse 21 says, The words of the godly encourage many. But fools are destroyed by their lack of common sense. The words of the godly encourage. Did you see the word bartenders there? I didn't see that. Did you see gossipers? Did you see Facebook in Scripture today? I I didn't see that. Did you see the latest self-help talk show? Did, Did you see that? I didn't see that. Did you see continually go to people or family members who continually put you down? Go there for your source of encouragement. I didn't see that. Why do we keep going for refreshing water? back to the same polluted wells where we were poisoned in the first place. I want you to ask yourself that question. Who are the godly people who speak into your life? I'm so thankful for this man in my life, my friend, my pastor, that he speaks words of encouragement when I struggle that we can go to one another. We can live that out. I'm so thankful for our elders. These men of God and their wives that I can go to. And that when I'm struggling, even as, as different elements went into to our lives this week. And we were able to be strength for one another. I'm so thankful for my life group. That I can share what's going on in my heart and in our family. That I can receive that source of prayer. I'm so thankful for my life transformation group that Pete Calloway and Dustin Bryant work and stay with me and ask me difficult questions and we read God's word together and we're always a phone call or a text away just to encourage one another as we have done countless times in the four or five months that we've been meeting together on an every other week basis. I'm so thankful for my men's group on Saturday morning that we gather up here and we pray together and then we get to study together and we lift each other up in difficult times. I'm so thankful for one of my closest friends of all my life, a man named Alan Huddleston, who's a fireman in northwest Arkansas, that when all hell is breaking loose in my life, I just need to pick up the phone and call And he may not say anything. He may just listen to me weep as he's done many times. Did you hear what I just said? I gave you about eight examples in my own life that I have. 
And I simply need to ask you this. Who do you turn to when you need encouragement? And oftentimes that is the, sometimes even the wrong question. The wrong question might, or the right question might be, who do you encourage? Because if you're focused on encouraging others, what I discover is encouragement is always going to flow back as well. Not because I've encouraged, but simply because I am giving out, it tends to flow back in. It is a spiritual principle that shake down, shaken down together, overflowing, it comes back to us when we continually give out to others. Folks, I'm a pastor. I've been doing this for over 25 years, and I just gave you eight examples of why I need continual sources of this in my life. What I'm telling you is I am never going to get to a place where I've arrived and I say, you know what, I'm good. I don't need any more encouragement. Go give it to somebody else. I'm not going to get to that place. I'm going to continually be in a place where I need godly people to speak into my life. I'm not going to mention their names because they would be embarrassed. But I can look out into this congregation and I can see men and women that in a heartbeat, when I know that I'm in trouble and I have a need, I could go to you and you would lift me up. And that gives me incredible, incredible confidence. Because you're being Christ to me. It's one of the reasons why we do Stephen ministry here at EVC. It's because we need to be Christ to others. We need people that we can depend upon. We need people who aren't our physical family that we can dump sometimes our life onto because we just simply need the presence of Christ. We don't need advice givers. We just need people to hear out what is going on in my life. I'm so thankful for that. We need godly people. Amen? All right. This last few minutes, what I'd like to share with us is very practically then simply this. How do I encourage? How do we encourage? Well, the first is this. We need to remember that this is reciprocal. We need to remember that this is a reciprocal action. And that's the reason why we likely should ask the question instead of who is encouraging me, we need to be asking who am I encouraging? So often what we see in the church is we see all the need and we see that I have a need and so I'm looking for somebody to meet it in my life, okay? Instead of really asking the question, what we should be asking is who can I meet this need in their life? Because when we first ask that question, it always seems to be reciprocal the other way. Listen to what 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11, the main, the main passage that we talk about or we think about when we think about this process of encouraging one another, it says this, so encourage each other, and what does it say? And build each other up, just like we've been talking about, just as you are already doing. So what Paul is saying is, encourage one another, reciprocal action. Build each other up, each other, again, a reciprocal action, as you are already doing. Look, you're already doing this back and forth to one another. This is an action that you're already doing. I love this verse in, in Romans 1, verse 12 says, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. 
What Paul is saying is, when we get together on Sunday, on Wednesday, through the week, when we talk together on the phone, when we're getting together, what I want to happen is I want to encourage your faith, and I want your faith to always be an encouragement to mine. It's a reciprocal action, so we need to make sure that we see that. How else do we encourage? Acts 9.31 helps us to understand that we invite the Holy Spirit to do His work in people. It says, The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. And it became stronger as the believers, number one, lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. Acts 9 verse 31. We grow when we allow the Holy Spirit room to do His work in people's lives. Have you ever prayed that someone would receive the encouragement from the Spirit of God? Have you ever just stopped and said, what this really means is that we are praying and we are interceding for others. Have you ever just stopped and said, I want to give the Holy Spirit room to be the encouragement for whatever needs to happen in my brother and my sister's life, in what's going on in their family, in what's going on with their child. Praying that the Holy Spirit would have not only His room, but His powerful work in their life. Prayer. We encourage one another when we invite the Holy Spirit on the behalf of others. It's called supplication. As we're praying out for the Holy Spirit to be involved. I hope that you are praying for the Holy Spirit to be involved in your children's lives. I hope that you are praying for the Holy Spirit to be all over whatever happens here at EVC. I hope that when these events, like our women's ministry event that's happened on October the 8th, I hope you're praying that God's Spirit would be poured out upon our ladies. Because when we pray those prayers, we are simply inviting the Holy Spirit to be present in this place. As we sang about earlier, we invite Him into our worship. Do we invite Him into all the different activities of our lives? Number three, you use your gifts and abilities to serve others. Were you guys encouraged when this choir used their gifts this morning? I was encouraged. I was encouraged by seeing that. You see, I'm encouraged when other people and when I use the gifts that God has given us, I am encouraged. Listen to what Romans 12 verse 8 says. It is your gift to encourage others. If it is your gift, I'm sorry, if it is your gift to encourage others, then be encouraging. If it's giving, then give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, then take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. When you and I use our gifts and abilities that God has given us, we encourage others to do the same. So the question I would simply have for you is, how are you using your gifts and abilities to build up the body of Christ? This isn't about one person. It's not about a group of per- people. It is about all of us encouraging one another by using these gifts that we have. So we're encouraged when we use our gifts. Number four, we are encouraged when we give people the gift of God's word. I want to encourage every single person this week to target one person that you give a note of encouragement through some means that you give a scripture to someone this week. 
I came across this Bible that Pastor Bart was talking about uh, that I decided to give. It was actually a Bible that, that I had when I was in elementary school. Because I went to a Christian school. We had to memorize Scripture. We had to all be memorizing the, the same version. And so we were all given as part of, or we all had to buy the same Bible. And I had this Bible, a New American Standard Bible, that my parents had given me. And as I was going through it, because I knew we were going to place it in the concrete, in the foundation, I wanted to take anything out of it that I might want to keep. And what fell out of it was a scripture card that Jennifer gave me when we were dating. And I pulled that out, and I set it on my desk, and it's there this morning. Why? She gave me a lot of those. Unfortunately, I don't think I gave her nearly as many as she gave me. I didn't write as well. Um, but, but that was incredibly encouraging to me 24 years after she initially gave it to me. You see, Scripture doesn't change. When you, parents, I want to encourage you to do this. Text your children Scripture. Text it to them. When they're seeing all these other texts, simply text them. This is what I'm praying for you today. Here is a, a, just don't preach to them, okay? They don't need that. They simply need God's word to be living and sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting to the, the asunder of, of soul and spirit in their lives. Let God's word do the preaching and just send them scripture this week. Text it. Do you do some means the fine art of writing notes or writing cards? That's a phenomenal thing for us to be doing. And we need to be giving people scripture. Romans 15 verse 4 says this. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. I'll never forget Sandy Strait. See, when I was growing up and I was in student ministry, I accepted Christ when I was around nine years old. I was in a phenomenal student ministry. It was at a large church. But over the six years that I was in this student ministry, we had three different youth pastors. And none of them stayed more than one calendar year. Three different ones from the time that I was in seventh grade to twelfth grade. Are you guys thankful for Kyle Neiman, who's been here at EVC for these last seven, six to half to seven years. It's where I really received this desire to go and stay with longevity because it was longevity that I never had in many of the pastors that were, that were in present in my life. But Sandy Strait was always there. Where youth pastors, who were important in my life, even for the short time they might have been there, Sandy Strait was the constant. It was a fairly small town. The, the Springdale newspaper would often have honor rolls. When we'd play basketball games, they'd come out and take pictures of us. They'd have pic- our picture in the paper with little captions. It was, a, it was a great thing. And here's what Sandy would always do. Anytime any of our students' names were mentioned in the paper, she would cut it out. She would put it in a card with scripture, and she would send it to us. She was one of our youth workers. She wasn't our youth pastor. She didn't get paid to do any of the things that she did for us. But Sandy Strait, 
45 years later, I remember the words and the time and effort she took to encourage somebody who was brand new in their faith, like me. Will you be a Sandy straight to somebody this week? Will you encourage somebody with God's word? Will you encourage somebody with scripture that does not change? Will you do that this week? Number five, use your words to bless, to build up, to affirm. Now, unapologetically, this is the one that I need to hear the most. Ephesians 4, 28 and 29. I memorized it like this when I was a student ministry intern in northwest Arkansas because there were four of us. There were four student ministry interns this summer. And the very first week, it was a brutal bloodbath between the four of us. We cut each other down with these quick little snipes. And I learned to be quick with those other three guys because if I didn't, if I wasn't quick, I was not going to survive with these other guys. And the very first week, God convicted all four of us. And we said, we need to memorize Ephesians 4, 28 and 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. But only such a word that is encouraging and that will build you up, that is good for the edification of the Spirit. Now, that's not what it says up there because this is the New Living Translation, which is a great translation, but I learned it in another version because I had to have it, because I had to live it, because I struggled with those quick snips that I would often do, that I often see that are still patterns in my life. This says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. This is one of the things in Scripture that I call a filter. It is something that you can use to say simply this. We've said it at different times in different ways here at EVC, but I love these three questions. Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it beneficial? When I'm getting ready to say what I'm getting ready to say, I use the filter. No, I should use the filter, okay? <laughs> I attempt, okay? I'm showing you, I'm saying this is a weakness. Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it beneficial? There are certain things that are true, but are they necessary to say? No. Yes, it may be true, but it's not necessary. There are some things that are true that are necessary, but are they beneficial? But still, we just want to say them to get them out of the way, don't we? Is it true? Yes. Is it necessary? Yes. Is it beneficial? Yes. Then feel free to say it. I want to encourage you to process through that filter in your life and how you use your words. Are your words life-giving or do they create death in other people? When you come in contact with someone else and you leave their presence, do they feel better about who God says they are or do they feel a little bit more inferior than they did? when they came in contact with you or me. Use our words. Final thing. Share the Jesus that's in you. What this says is simply this. Be present in people's lives. Listen, ministry is messy. If you're going to be in a life group and get to know people, you're going to discover people are screwed up. And so are you. You're going to discover that people have real stuff going on in their lives. And that so do you. 
Are you going to be present in their lives? Colossians 2 verse 2 says this. I want them to be encouraged, and I love this, and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. You see, if I share the wisdom that I have, people are going to go away and be just as empty as they were when they came across me. But if I share the Jesus Christ who is in me, they go away strengthened with a source of everlasting life and water that will always be with them. How do you encourage? Do you share God's word? Are you present in people's lives? Do you watch what you say? How do you and I Give and build courage in other people. Let's do it together as the body of Christ. Let's pray today. Father, I ask you today that you would do your work in us. Father, for those who are here today who do not have a relationship with you, Father, they do not have the source of effervescent courage that lives within them. Holy Spirit, I ask you to do your work in them today. For those of us who are believers in you, Jesus, today, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would convict. You would stop our mouths from saying some of the things that we say and that we would bring our mouths into subjection, our tongues into subjection of your work in our lives and that we would become the life-giving wells that you've called us to, to be rather than the polluted world the polluted wells that the world has to offer today. God, would you release your spirit among us, the body of Christ, that we may encourage one another and be sources of life, lighting the way home to the presence and a relationship with you, Jesus. Is my prayer in Jesus' name.